Welcome back to the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. I'm Danny Horn, and I'm here with Anthony Strand from Tough Pigs and the Muppet Movie Podcast. Moving right along. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Danny. This is Act Two of 1997's Steel. I'm doing the Sid Field three-act structure, as you'll recall. Act One went something like this. Shaq was a, a famous basketball player, and as an actor, he is a very good basketball player. I, I have a theory that is not a generous theory towards Kenneth Johnson or or Warner Brothers. Yeah, I believe I'm about to have the same theory. Burke says, how would you like to help me deal the next generation of super weapons? And it's like, well, I work in an arcade, so... She says, should you be in school? And he says, well, why learn when you can earn? Firepower, kid! That's what we're talking about! Yeah! Yeah, boy. firepower, kid! <laughs> Just giving guns out to at-risk youth, putting them even more at risk. Yeah, he's taking her out of here. She doesn't get to finish rehab. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into act two, which is our introduction to the junkyard. Shaq, smiling and mugging away for the camera, takes just airlifts Sparks in her wheelchair to Los Angeles. And he's just grinning away like he's a genius, just watching a complicated plan come together. He brings her to the magical junkyard, which is basically Pee-wee's playhouse, just like full of art projects. Yeah, that's a good that's a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. very like sculpture. Yeah, that have been made out of whatever junk is there. Found item sculpture. <laughs> exactly. And we are we are going to make futuristic weapons, it turns out out of like rusted parking meters and old pots and pans, broken public telephones, basically like whatever Johnny breaks as part of the natural course <laughs> of his day. Public phone, a window, like whatever he's he's managed to smash, that comes over to the junkyard and they turn that into something. He is bringing Sparks here because he has a plan for how they're going to get these weapons off the street, which is to make their own. And here is where we meet Uncle Joe. Do you want to talk about Uncle Joe? Sure. Yes, I do. Uncle Joe is played by Richard Roundtree. Which Shaft. He's Shaft, right? Like, like easily mm -hmm. that's what he's best known for. Yes. Here. And I mean, I think, can we can we talk about the Shaft joke now as long as we're talking about Richard Roundtree? Yeah, let's do it. They're going to make Steele's hammer in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. They're making the hammer. And Uncle Joe says, I especially like the Shaft. And then Sparky and Johnny look at him and roll their eyes as though they get the joke. Yes. Like they look at him and he says, what? And it's yeah. like, in-universe, they both <laughs> know, know that he starred know. in the Shaft film series. It's very strange. When they brought back Shaft, starring uh, Samuel L. Jackson in 2000, mm -hmm. Richard Roundtree is in it, playing yep. the original Shaft. Mm -hmm. And when they brought back Shaft again in 2019, <laughs> yes, starring the actor Jesse T. Usher as J.J. Shaft, when they brought that back, Richard Roundtree and Samuel L. Jackson are both in it. <laughs> so it's just like this escalating like team when they when they remake it again 10 years from now, we'll have like all three of them. Uh, and and I, I think he's pretty good in this. I think he's pretty fun in this movie. He doesn't really get anything interesting to do, but but I, I enjoy his performance. Sparks is saying, I don't see how we can possibly build complicated things here in this terrible junkyard. And Uncle Joe puts down part of a computer and Sparks is very excited. And she says, that's a mainframe 7200 IBM, which it's nice that we have that now. 
she says like where could you possibly <laughs> have gotten this and he does a cute little routine about how it fell off the back of a truck you wouldn't believe what kind of stuff just falls off the back of a truck sparks is charmed by this and she says okay i'll make a list of things that you should go out and source so now sparks is part of a criminal enterprise it's true they are now these three are now about to become domestic terrorists there's no other way of discussing them at all they are terrorists now the thing that's about to happen is we are going to build our own weapons factory these futuristic weapons are too powerful for people to use and so we are going to build our own version of them using whatever scrap metal we can source <laughs> going to war sparks is a genius is the idea and she can basically build any she's she's the professor i'm gonna say from gilligan's island who can just yes. build anything out of anything so that's what's happening she mm -hmm. is something else sparky gets to work building stuff johnny's there and uncle joe says she's something else which she is Johnny looks at Sparky. Sparky looks over at Johnny. They smile at each other. Uncle Joe says, <laughs> and this is just going to be indescribably tedious from now on. This is this is now when officially this is a love story starring people who do not and will not touch each other. Here's Martin walking into Dantastic, which is apparently now an actual arcade because now there are kids in it. Back, back to being an actual arcade. Back to being an actual arcade. Yes. There are kids in it who are playing arcade games. There's some more Martin dialogue. This place is on hit, man. I'm going to own a spot like this one day. Isn't this where Martin says C-R-E-A-M, cream? Isn't that the scene? That's coming up. I will, I will let you know when he does cream. <laughs> he says, so what's up with this job, man? I'm trying to get paid. Man, the dude that run this stuff is large. I want you to meet him. And then there's Burke. In a white lab coat for some reason? He's been doing science. You must be Martin. I've heard a lot about you. I'll take it from here. Puts his arm around Martin and says, welcome. You can call me the man. So that's, <laughs> Jed, that's Jed Nelson dialogue. Now, this really is going to be the hardest thing about this movie. What does Martin do at this job? What um, is the job that he does? That's a good. Well, as like as one, no idea. The, he we, talks about like, it a I lot. Pretend to know what it is. People talk about that. Is probably I would say the B story of the movie. The A story is like building a ridiculous superhero costume and doing ridiculous things. The B story is Martin getting encouraged by this man. No idea what he does. Right. Well, but as you've discussed, we don't know what anyone does at work. That is true. Movie. That is true. Back at the magical junkyard, Sparky falls down and nobody helps. She just falls straight out of her wheelchair. My wife said at that point, remember how she didn't get to finish rehab because he carried her out of there? This is healthcare, Johnny style. Johnny wants to go and help. Uncle Joe kind of puts his, his hand on Johnny's arm and says, you know, and to indicate, no, don't help her. And like an ABC after school special, she gets up by herself and there's all this like, exciting dramatic music this is a very dramatic moment apparently this is the first time that she has ever had to get up onto her wheelchair by herself and it is a transformative experience she is very happy and johnny just stands there and grins and looks smug and inhuman johnny's at an anvil sparks rolls up 
Sparks thanks him for not helping, which is an experience that he should get used to because not helping is what Johnny does best. <laughs> Martin comes up. This is the exciting Martin moment. Says grandma has some right, food yeah. that she wants. Johnny stays behind to keep banging on metal. And Sparky has some dialogue and says, how's your new job? And Martin says, oh, it's dope. Boss made me his main man. He said if I studied up, I can make mad cream, be mad powerful. Mad cream, yeah. Mad cream. She says, what on earth are you talking about? Cash rules everything around me. Which I think is, it's one of those things that like, they like Kenneth Johnson definitely didn't make that up, right? There's actually a story. Kenneth Johnson went to, I think he, he went to LA to hang out with black kids for a day. That's part of the production mm. story. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went and hung out with some kids and, and got slang. I'm not qualified to judge the, you know, the accuracy of the slang. It sounds adorable to me. Martin tells Sparks, you blow up at my job, which is probably true. That is the thing that happens over at Dantastic. People do blow up. That's true. <laughs> then we get a training montage. Johnny is at the foundry. He's like still making shit. Sparks is playing with the computer. She she has now assembled this IBM mainframe, whatever. And they're playing this song that... We, I, I cannot stress enough that one of our heroes is in a wheelchair. Yeah. And the song playing during this montage goes, stand up. Come on, <laughs> stand up. <laughs> You're getting stronger by the hour. This is a song. This is the big song from the movie Steal Yourself, which was written by Kenneth Johnson. Oh, that makes sense. An auteur renaissance man. Sparks' this computer, which she has created, is stocked with top-secret info. Uncle Joe is doing I don't know what the hell what. This is when we get a shot of Shaq's tattoo, the Superman S, with Man of Steel yeah. written around it. We'd actually seen it before in a prior scene, but they act like it's a big reveal. And then there's the secret Santa scene, which I love. Or really the first of the several secret Santa scenes where... They each reveal to each other the thing that they've been working on for a while because they haven't discussed this. This is this isn't a plan that they've put together. <laughs> right. They're just like, I'm gonna make a thing. You're gonna make I'm gonna make a thing, but I'm not telling you what the thing is until we have this great secret Santa moment where I'm gonna show it to you. So she gives him like a little transceiver to put in his ear, and she has a hammer, and she says, Of course, I designed it to do more than pound things. So then Steel says, like, it's time to make the final piece. And he pulls the helmet out of the furnace. And Uncle Joe says, well, I'll be damned. John Henry Irons has turned himself dun, 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 into the man of steel. He's going to take his helmet and suit and the little transceiver and the hammer. He says, sometimes you got to fight fire with fire. And it's like, yeah, that's what weapons development is for, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you quit that job. He has now figured that out, that you need to actually yeah. build weapons if you want to hurt people. Johnny's doing his, his field test. Here's Thomas and Martha Wayne coming out of the theater. They have just seen a play. Up comes a guy with a knife to steal her purse. He takes it. Pearls go everywhere. It's too bad that they don't have a kid with them because that would give Steel somebody to team up with later on. Right. It's true. Mugger takes off, stops at a construction site. The mugger takes money, throws the wallet away, and then he hears the voice of Shaq. Not a nice way to treat somebody's family pictures. And then this is, I like the scene because this is the first of many scenes where a character just stays in the scene way longer than they should. 
there's no reason for the mugger to continue this conversation, which he continues for a very long time. People in LA, they're good at meetings, but they're not good at hanging up first. He's like, what? Who's that? I'll shank you, man. And says, give them their stuff back. We won't have a problem. I ain't got no problem. It's like, dude, why are you, what do you have to gain in continuing this discussion? <laughs> what are you up to? And then here comes Steel. Dun -da -da -da, shot from below. We see him in his amazing Steel outfit. The mugger falls down with surprise. And Johnny, this is actually the, the big special effect of the movie. The mugger falls down. And Johnny bends over and picks him up as if it is possible for him to bend over in that suit. Right. Like percentage chance of him actually being able to bend over in that suit, I feel like is pretty low. Can we talk about the fact that this mask doesn't cover his whole face? Yes. Because yes, in the comic, Steel's mask covers his whole face, just yes. like Iron Man, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're in a metal suit. You're encased in a metal suit. Yep. That's that's the whole like steel. <laughs> I mean, we talk about steel being black Superman, right? But yeah. essentially he's he's actually black Iron Man or he's DC yeah. version of Iron Man, right? I mean, because it's like they both don't have superpowers, they have this, they have this metal suit. But like the whole the whole appeal of being in a metal suit is that you are entirely encased in a metal suit. And in this movie, he just has like a like video game controller mask. It's a magneto helmet. That keeps, yeah, that leaves your eyes and your chin and most of your face. And his whole, like, chin and neck exposed. Like, he yep. could get shot in the neck, you know? Yeah, that doesn't occur to anybody to shoot him, to shoot him in the right. chin, where he's obviously vulnerable. One of the many good decisions that the Iron Man movie made, despite it being Robert Downey Jr.'s big comeback movie star role, is that when he's in the suit, he's just in the suit and they show his face in there sometimes. Right. So you can still see him. You, the audience, can still see him. Right. But in this one, they don't think of that. Yeah, so. no. Well, they want us to see Jackson because he's he's such a good actor that they want us yeah. to be able to see the kind of subtle things that he's doing with his face. Before we move on, can we talk about the fact that the mugger is Academy Award nominee John Hawks? Please do. I don't know who that is. Who is that? Okay. So he was on Deadwood. He was a regular on the show Deadwood. He was Saul. Hmm. He was Timothy Oliphant's sidekick. Undeadwood. That's kind of how he broke out. Yeah. But then he was Oscar nominated for his role as Jennifer Lawrence's uncle in Winter's Bone. Hmm. Since then, he's been in like uh, the sessions with Helen Hunt, uh, three billboards outside Ebony, Missouri with Francis McDormand, like another big Oscar movie. Yeah. And like, he's just, he's just like a character actor who works all the time in like pretty prestige kind of stuff. He had a recurring role on Lost because everyone from Deadwood was on Lost at some point. <laughs> He's he's just one of those guys that like I think of as like an important character actor because that's right. what my brain is like. Uh, but I also think of him as the mugger from Steel because that's where I first knew him. Tell me about his performance here. He's bad. I would not I, I would not call this his best work. I don't know that the movie <laughs> gives him any any kind of material to work with. Right? He's just like all he has to do is be like, ah, hey, yeah, you know, kind of. There's a thing I, I read an interview with a soap opera actor who said that the hardest thing about acting in a soap opera is to figure out why you're staying in the room. You know, they have these conversations on soap operas and this conversation needs to go for four minutes until the next commercial. It's like we have already finished our conversation. You've offended me. I should probably not be in this room anymore. 
but they got a, the acting for them is just figuring out how do I stay in this room? And that is exactly what the mugger does. Like he, for some reason, he's going to stay in this situation. Steel takes him, puts him up against the wall, drives a spike through his jacket, I guess, like through his outfit and kind of leaves him hanging there. And he's like, hey, it feels like he could just take his jacket off and just say goodbye to the jacket yes. and move on. But you're right. <laughs> hard to say. But this is the one criminal that he actually catches. So enjoy that. It's the one crime that he solves. He goes back to the Waynes, gives their purse back. He's very polite to them. They, they, like, okay. You, you use the word polite. So I think we should talk about it now. Yes. On TV, we're going to see Thomas Wayne say mm-hmm. that the mugger was very polite. And that is, that is such racist dog whistle nonsense. <laughs> you know, like this, this, this giant black guy saved me. But guess what? It's okay because he was very polite. He he's, and, he, and he says, you know, I hope that this doesn't put you off hanging around in, in New York City. Statistically, it's still the safest way to trap. Exactly. Yeah. This is another thing of like why, you know, he, he goes and he deals with this and he comes back to them and they're still standing at exactly the same location. Because that's what you do once you're right. they didn't, they didn't you stand leave. there. Yeah, yeah. You stand there and you go, wait, what? For like five minutes. All right. right. Meanwhile, Sparks is Steele's man in the chair. They are talking back and forth. She's tapping on computers. She says he's coming in loud and clear. This is basically, this is like late 70s action show. This feels very bionic woman to me. Every scene of Sparky and Uncle Joe, like commenting on on what Steele is doing. It's very action show. It's very action show. And it's specifically very like, we have 41 minutes of story and we have 50 minutes of airtime. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And so we're going to have some banter. Yeah. And it's only like a 90 minute movie. Exactly. They hear that there's a gang fight. And as you know, we have a new we have a new gang program. Johnny needs to go and and inflict that on somebody. So the gang fight is like people driving around shooting it. I, I have a hard time with the personnel of this gang fight. I, it's hard to say exactly who's who, but I believe yeah. there are some guys in a car who are chasing around, some guys who are running around and shooting at them. Shoot a lot. Like, it's not just like, you know, bang, just like a one execution kind of situation. It's like bang, 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 bang. They're just banging a lot. And then Steel appears in front of the car in his amazing costume. We haven't actually discussed the costume very much. Do you have thoughts on the costume? The co- it's he is covered in metal plates, kind of like the Tin Man. It's fine. It's not very. It's not very impressive. It's supposed to look homemade. It looks very TV show. Yeah. Steel appears in front of the car. He says, "Put the gun down. We won't have any trouble." So they shoot him, shoot and shoot and shoot, including with a machine gun. They do not hit his chin or his neck. Exactly, exactly, yeah. They're indiscriminate. And therefore, this does not hurt him at all. He kind of like tuts and, and wags his finger at them. He wags his metal finger. It's so stupid. I love it so, so much. So here's another here's another crime problem. These are more crime issues. What should these people do at this point? Leave the vicinity. That would be the obvious thing. Not only are you involved in a crime, but you're being very, very noisy. I do have to say, for these guys, nobody yells their own name. So that's, you know, they are one, they're one point ahead Slats, but. Right, although Slats is going to do it again in a few I know, minutes. I know he will. They decide to run this guy over. They, that's, that's their crime decision, is what they need to do right now. 
is run him over. And so they run at him and he says it's hammer time and he uses his sonic blast. Yes. To stop the car. They still don't leave the area. Like people in Hollywood just don't like saying goodbye. <laughs> this is what I'm this is what I'm seeing here. The other gang guy, the, the ones who were, are being chased around, they're like, wait, what should we do? Like, hey, he helped us. Like, maybe we should help. No, get out of the area. He engages the electromagnet and everybody's weapons yes. stick to him. <laughs> everybody's weapons fly towards him, which is so dumb. It yeah. looks so stupid. Like, the movie <laughs> clearly thinks it's so cool. The guns all fly. It's got, like, all the knives and forks come out of the kitchen doors and all come and stick to him. It's very Warner Brothers. Yeah. So he gets all the weapons, turns off the electromagnet, and they all drop. And every at that point, finally, everybody runs away. The car goes away. The guys on foot go away. To go, basically, to go. They're to all just team. like the, the. We're done. The gangsters are all just like whoa, 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 what? Pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Like. And then they drive away. And really, what's going to happen is they're just going to go to a different street and do it all over again. No, because he drops all the weapons before they leave. Yeah, they can just pick them up. I feel like they have more. That is true. Yeah, they'll just come by in like twenty minutes and pick up all the weapons. Yeah, this is still this is not impacting the economic and social conditions that lead to this kind of behavior. Is what I'm gonna is no, it's not what I'm gonna say to Steele. He has so far not he hasn't apprehended a single criminal in this place, but here come the cops. Cop car comes up, and guy yells, "All right, Sir Lancelot," which is pretty good for the spur of the moment. Like you can tell this this guy has he's had improv training. He's in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's in Los. Yeah, no, these are all out of work actors. That's the only way that this makes sense. Steel shoots like a Batman grappling hook into a building that's very high up, and then very improbably swings up into the sky. And now this is the sky battle sequence. The effect of the grappling hook yeah. pulling Shaq up. Enormous man in his heavy metal suit. Like, clearly, this is supposed to be, like, the upside-down kiss in the rain. The, where does to get these wonderful toys? Yes. Can you read my mind? Like, it's yeah. it's clearly supposed to be, like, a big hero shot in this yeah. movie. And it's it looks so stupid. Because Steel, awkward. as a character, if you want to say, like, oh, he's a cool character when he, like, comes out, comes around a corner and he looks all, like covered in metal like that's fine don't lift him up in the air like this is the character who very specifically should not be airborne right he starts running across a roof he wants he's gonna jump from one roof to another and sparks is like you're not gonna make it stop doing this sparks's computer is telling her you're not gonna make this I feel like I would, I don't feel like I would need a computer in that circumstance. I would just say, stop doing what you're doing. You're enormous and you're wearing armor. This is like specifically the thing you cannot do. Right, right. He should fall down like a wily e. coyote. Well, now they're going to do that because then there's cops on the roof with guns all of a sudden. Unclear how they, what grappling hook they shot up into the air to get them airborne as well. Steel jumps off the roof and tries to go down on a line again, and uh, he ends up falling into a dumpster. But he's okay. Which is silly. Which is very silly. 
he gets out of the dumpster and the cops are there. Now Johnny's on a motorcycle. And one of the cops says, whoa, cool. Which is like the voice, <laughs> the voice of the movie. Because they want the audience to agree. Yes. This might be the silliest thing in the entire movie. He's riding his motorcycle around. And now Sparks mm-hmm. has to break into L.A. traffic management. A website. Well, that's what I love because. Yeah. Because it's like she can change traffic lights just because she has a computer. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what computers do. Yeah. And so there's a lot of drama over the next minute about how she's trying to get him all green lights so that he can keep he can keep riding his motorcycle. <laughs> and he's like, I still got reds. And she's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. Because obviously what you care about in a chase scene is being able to follow basic traffic safety rules. Right. But I got a question for you, though. Yes. How do you feel about Joe Raposo? How do I feel about Joe Raposo? I love Joe Raposo, as you because know. Because he is treated like dirt in this scene. In what way? Sparky says, it ain't easy being green. Which is, of course, a misquote of the famous Kermit the Frog song, it's not easy being green. That is true. So I consider Joe Raposo to be a legend. I'm sure you do as well. Absolutely. And they can't even get his title of his song right. That is the problem. That is the problem with the movie. Problem with this scene. You are correct. Not just this scene. That is the number one problem of the movie is misquoting Joe Raposo. I couldn't agree more. Johnny finally, like, she, he gets enough greens to drive to arrive at the junkyard. And he's like, oh, they're right behind me. What's going to happen? And so Sparks, again, from her chair, is able to, like, close the junkyard doors and then lift. And he, I believe that he does not know that the hideout door, like, that this this big jump pile is actually his new headquarters that he's supposed to drive into is that correct or incorrect do you feel it does it seems like he doesn't know yeah it's another secret santa moment um, which like I'll how say, he could I'll say how this, he could miss that i don't know i'll say this i do like the junk pile door like i, I think do too it, no it's really cute it's just bizarre that he doesn't know that it's there and that feels like something which you might notice if someone was constructing right Right, your entire <laughs> hangout under what looks like an enormous junk pile that is hinged and can open and that you're supposed to drive into. He finds out about that just at this exact moment, which is great. Right, right. You know, you know what's really great about this moment, though? What? Is that Sparky says, all they're going to see is a pile of junk. And mm-hmm. then we hear a voice <laughs> from the helicopter say, nothing down there but a pile of junk. So good. So Sparky, so now we're in our weird hideout. Sparky by now has three different computer monitors, each displaying its own individual variation of nonsense. Her control system is going to grow and grow over the course of the movie. They are all very excited. Johnny says, Sparky, I don't know what I'd do without you, which is true. And they touch fingers again, which is great. Yep, there's their signature, yeah. Misses another free throw into the trash. They're all very satisfied with themselves. I don't feel like this is scalable because he's exhausted and he has only stopped one crime. He didn't apprehend any of the dozen perps involved in the in the gang slaying. 
Right. I don't I don't see how he's going to be able to wipe out all all crime in L.A. Back to Dantastic. Martin's talking to Burke and Burke says, I hear you've become quite interested in our new microchip game technology. And Martin says, yeah, that new interactive <laughs> unit. It sounds and Burke offers fly. And then Martin agrees with him. Mm-hmm. That's what's so great is that Martin then agrees with him. Yeah. Like Burke says fly. Yep. Which I think that I have to imagine Kenneth Johnson was like. Is this still something the kids say? And he wasn't sure. So so he has Burke suggest it first. <laughs> he, has Martin, he has Martin verify. Fly, yeah. What is what is Martin's job? Also, are they also inventing new <laughs> microchip game technology at this place? At this arcade, in addition? Emphatically, the answer is yes. They do a classic walk and talk, Martin and Burke walking kind of yes. past the arcade area into this kind of open plan office area with all these people in button-up shirts sitting at desks. I don't know what they are working on, but it's kind of like right next to all the arcade games. There is some kind of crime going on that they're responsible for, I think, which they're doing just like right next to a very public place. Martin saw the guy in steel drive by on a motorcycle last night. And again, it's his brother. It's his Seven foot two <laughs> brother. It's always kind of implausible that like superheroes, families, and friends wouldn't know who they are. Yeah. Like when you're Shaquille O'Neal, when you look, when you canonically <laughs> look like Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> you are. If my brother was seven foot two, yeah, and I saw him drive by on a motorcycle wearing a metal costume, yeah. I would say, Hey, that's my very tall that's brother. My very tall brother costume. clearly doing something implausible. You know? Yeah. So what does Burke know is another major question for me in this movie, because he's asking Martin about the guy that he saw. And he says, like, do you think he comes to your neighborhood? And like, where is your neighborhood, by the way? So does Burke know that this is Johnny? I don't think he does. And again, again, he should, you know, he's trying to but he's trying to get that information from Martin. And like and he asks Martin, like, what? where is your neighborhood as if like Martin is going to give like if you know that Martin is connected to Johnny this whole Martin thing is somehow revenge against Johnny like why don't you know where Johnny lives it's so baffling to me right it's it's baffling yeah like it's hard to say whether these are two separate story tracks or just one like is Burke's vendetta against Johnny different from his vendetta against steel or is it just the same thing yeah i don't know unclear and then it's the park scene where burke meets with slats yeah on a park my favorite part of this entire movie in public record this is my favorite part why don't you tell me tell me all about it so burke is mad that slats burke is mad that slats is like showing off too much and he's wearing a gold chain and burke who again this is slats a person know. best known for yelling his own name at crime scenes. <laughs> like, and Burke is mad that he's showing off too much. And he tells him that he should stop it, right? Yeah. And then Slats says, what's wrong with a little flossing, man? Mm-hmm. And Burke says, you floss too much, man, and your gums are bleeding. <laughs> well, first of all, that's the opposite of true. You floss regularly and your gums don't bleed. Yeah. But also this line delivery by yeah. Judd Nelson. I've talked about how much I enjoy his terrible. 
I'm glad I'm glad that you just did it with the emphasis on man. Because <laughs> that's what he does. Well, because it's like it's like because it's so stupid because. Yeah. Slats says man. Flats right. says what's wrong with a little flossing man? He's like, you floss too much man. Man. <laughs> Your gums are bleeding. And here's the thing. <laughs> yes. Judd N- like Judd Nelson should have won two Oscars like the Joker for this yeah. movie. Much like the Joker won two Oscars for the film The Dark Knight and the film Joker. Right. Judd Nelson as Burke, the other yeah. great DC comics. There's kind of two great DC villains that everyone knows. I totally agree. The Joker and Nathaniel Burke. Super villain mastermind. He's so... This movie. I, don't, like, I, I This is the part that I can't even find words to describe. And he says, maybe, maybe you'll end up just like Cutter. And then gives him the long stare. That classic... Lieutenant Burke long stare. Right. And then he offers him a hot dog. Yeah, gives him a file. I don't know what the file is that he's handing him and why he's doing that right now. But he's acting like this is right. Like they're in the CIA or something and, and he's a foreign agent. Right, right. Yeah, and then gives him a hot dog. Unasked for. And but then do you remember what Slat says? I absolutely do. I don't eat no pork mess. I don't eat no pork mess. I don't eat yeah. no pork mess. Which, like, strongly implies to me that, that Slats is a practicing Muslim? Yes. Yes, he is. He doesn't eat no pork mess. And and Burke, Burke says, that's turkey mess. And Slats says, word? Why are you bringing him a turkey dog? <laughs> I don't know. What is happening in this scene? This is the greatest scene in the history of film. I totally agree. Not even close to anything else. There's no competition. No, it's it's there's Birkin slats on the park bench and then there's everything else in cinema. Right, exactly. Exactly. That's how it works. Yeah. Singer's gonna pick you guys up. Stay precisely on the schedule, says Burke. And Slats wants to know how much they're getting broke off. Burke says a lot. They they have a little moment about steel, crazy ass fool running around in aluminum foil. He then continues to describe him as Sound like a tin man on steroids. <laughs> the eternal line. Never underestimate your enemy. Keep your gold out of sight. Eat the hot dog. Don't be one. Which I guess means like don't show off, right? Like don't like a hot dog, like like hot dog in uh, on the ski slopes or whatever, right? Oh, is that what you think it means? I Yeah, that that's what I've always thought is oh. that it means like don't because he, he starts the scene telling him don't not be to be a hot dog. Don't be a hot dog. Don't don't be out there hot dogging. That's why there's a hot dog in the movie. Yes. I just, I didn't understand. Oh, my God. Because Roz had the same reaction. She turned to me and she's like, why does he call him a hot dog? What does that mean? I looked it up on the internet. Everyone else. Anthony, you, this is, this is major. This is actually, like, I've got, I've got breaking news now for the world. That's going to be the headline for, <laughs> for this Steel episode. No one else on the internet understands that joke. Like me and your wife and everybody else for decades yeah. has been baffled. You actually just explained it. Thank you so much. Once again, I've seen Steel a lot of times. You really have. You've had a lot of time to think. With that exciting show close, Act 2 stumbles to a close. I will be releasing Act 3 later on in the week. Here's what's coming up. So Johnny is like talking back to Sparks cut to Burke, who says, who's he talking to? How does he hear that Steele is talking to somebody? And then the guy in the chair is like, I'm scanning, sir. You're scanning what? What is happening right now? 
That's because they have to keep Slats around for the series. I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> this is right. a TV pilot. Slats is going to be. Slats is going to be one of our ongoing antagonists. The crazy thing is that the people stay in the room with this violent psychopath who's just murdered his partner. No one in this movie has even rudimentary self-preservation skills. Counterpoint. And she kind of like spins around. I would love to know your counterpoint. Counterpoint. Yes. I think that rules. Oh yeah, no, it totally does, but it's fucking ridiculous. All right, stay tuned for that. Thank you, Anthony. I will see you right back here for Act 3 of Steel on the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. Thanks for listening.